Welcome to Humans of Twitter, a podcast where we discover the stories behind the people behind the Twitter accounts. People that are interesting, opinionated, and surprising. I'm your host, Steve Malk, and today I'm speaking with someone who describes themselves as author of hashtag Almost Sincerely, presenter and writer on at APZTV's at Checkout TV, and the at Chase's hashtag Media Circus, at Story underscore Club co-creator. P.S. at Story underscore Club is now a podcast. <laughs> Humans of Twitter is their stories in their words, in a little more than 140 characters. Please welcome today's addition to the Humans of Twitter list, Zoe Norton Lodge. Hello. Hello, Zoe. In social settings, how do you introduce yourself? Uh, usually as Zoe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, do you mean like what do I say my job is? Do you then go on and say I'm Zoe and I then? If if somebody asks, I, I try not to sort of open with that. That's a bit, it's a bit creepy, isn't it? But if somebody did ask, I'd probably say I was a writer. Have you been a writer for all along? Um, I have. Um, I've been interested in writing like since I was a kid really and I've been sort of lucky enough to be able to write professionally uh, for a living since about 2012 so about three or four years but I've been kind of doing it for fun before that for a long time. That's so great doing something that you've always loved and uh, like without wanting to sound condescending, usually people don't get to that point until much later in their lives or careers. Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I I do feel very, very lucky and everything happened for me quite quickly. I sort of worked in shops and did bits and pieces and then I suddenly sort of had a career. So um, that that's one thing I think happens to a lot of people is it happens quite suddenly, especially in, in television. You sort of get a job and then it's, then you're kind of on your merry way. Are you where grade 11 Zoe thought she would be? No, um, not at all. Grade 11 Zoe thought she was going to be the next Kate Blanchett for real. I, I really did think I really awesome. fancied myself as like a phenomenal actor yeah. <laughs> when I was in high school. And um, uh, I did think that's where I was going to end up. I, I, was, um, I certainly did not think I'd end up doing uh, political satire that was not in my crystal ball when I was a teenager. How did you fall into that? Well, um, I run a storytelling night uh, at story underscore club, as we've described <laughs> it thusly, uh, with my friend uh, Ben Jenkins. Um, and that's a, a, a sort of storytelling night we started when we were at university back in about 2009. And um, a couple of times some of the guys from the chaser would, would come along and even participate. And eventually we sort of persuaded them to give us a job. Nice. Yeah. What's it like working for the most well-known television pranksters in Australia? I do sort of have to pinch myself sometimes and remind myself that that's what's going on because I certainly remember them so well from like grade 11. Zoe remembers watching, uh, you know, CNNNN and um, all that sort of stuff. And um, mm -hmm. I do sort of, I do sort of forget that, um, you know, their legacy and, and everything they've done sometimes because they're just a bunch of dudes who I work with and we just muck around and be silly all the time. So it's a, it's a, it is a, a great privilege that I think I, I forget <laughs> sometimes. 
Do you find that the television side of your job now is scratching the performing itch or is it more the stuff that you do around Story Club and the other things at, at Giant Dwarf? Well, I did, you know, in a former life I, I was sort of more involved in theatre, um, more serious theatre, <laughs> um, uh, not very serious, like fringe fringe yeah. that took itself quite seriously. I took it seriously but nobody else really did. Um <laughs> And I, I did, th- there is something you get out of, you know, sweating it out, doing a play for an hour and a half that's extremely challenging and, and a lot of fun um, that is very, very, very different to working in television where you can do things as many times as you like. You don't really have any idea what it looks like until it's done and there's like, you know, so many machinations, so many so many phases before you get to the final product and you don't always know what that's going to be. It might feel very different to how mm. you've performed it. Um, with Story Club, I definitely do get that out of my system a little bit because that's just basically me getting up and screaming some sort of horrendous confession uh, <laughs> at whoever will listen once a month. Um, but the, yeah, no. So I, I do, I do sort of. Um, I am lucky to get the opportunity to kind of have a little dabble in performing. What's the most surprising story you've heard at Story Club? The most surprising was um, probably we've had a lot of surprises. Um, One was a journalist called Marsha Gessen, a Russian journalist who Mm -hmm. told a story. She's quite, uh, you know, she writes about Putin a lot uh, and uh, in not always the most flattering and endearing terms. And um, she had a falling out with her editor and Putin got in touch with her and had a sit down with her at the Kremlin with her and her editor uh, about the fact that they'd had this falling out. I don't really know why he decided to get involved, but that was an, ex- that was an extraordinary story. Wow. Yeah. Um, we've had a lot of, we've had a lot of amazing stories and sometimes it's people who you might know from a certain walk of life telling you something deeply personal or, um, you know, something unexpected, like, David Ma uh, did a story which he which is called uh, 500, as in the card game, 500 Ruined My Marriage. Um, <laughs> and it was about, you know, his former life married to a woman. It's a quite an extraordinary story. So we do find it seems like the, the bar for Story Club is like what, how, how deeply personal are you willing to go? Like what are you willing to confess to a room full of basically strangers? Um, so we do get a lot of extraordinary stories. It sounds like the people that come to watch and, and enjoy it obviously have a great time, but it sounds like for the performers, they would enjoy it too, but it would be an extremely cathartic process. I think it is because the Story Club audience are the nicest people in the world. They're, there's like, you know, 200 out of them once a month and they come and it's like they're just, they're so ready. They're, they're ready and willing to listen to anything. They're so supportive and it's like they just get read this series of really naughty, horrible bedtime stories, um, you know, of a Monday. Mm. Mm. That's wow. So much fun. Mm. How do you describe your experience of family? Of family? Yes, ma'am. Um, well, my family are pretty amazing folks, really. They have um, my, my book, hashtag almost sincerely, as we've referred to it before, um, is a is a book of stories 
about my family and it's quite mm-hmm. open and, and honest and um, they've never been anything but quite excited by being little characters in my my little muses in my my various projects. So um, I think my family are kind of fairly, they're just normal people really, but um, I, I find that, you know, even normal people are pretty fucked up and do some pretty stupid things. And um, that's certainly been uh, fodder for me for a lot of my kind of projects. Um, but they seem to, they, they haven't disowned me yet. I'm trying, but they, they seem to be still on my team. <laughs> they they must clearly love you a lot to allow you to do exactly what you just talked about. I think that they... I think they do. I think that's probably fair. Um, my dad's like a social worker and my dad actually spent, you know, perhaps 25 odd years working in, in a family court. Um, mm. so I think that he like, he has sort of a fairly broad perspective of what like the fucked up spectrum for him is pretty full on. So I think this is fairly mild. Um, and I think my mom has often said to me like, oh, I'm a character in a book. Like I think she quite, she sort of enjoys it. It's sort of like a little bit of, you know, a little bit of disturbing immortality. Yes. Hmm. What challenges you? Um, what challenges me? Lots of things. What doesn't challenge me? Um, I, I do think, I do find it a bit challenging to have the kind of job, which I've completely brought on myself and I'm nothing but grateful for, but the kind of job where um, there's a constant sense that you're about to be judged and assessed and that that's okay. <laughs> and, um, and usually, you know, often it's quite nice and, you know, obviously sometimes it's, it's not so nice, but that sort of feeling like, and I think cause I'm, I'm probably, you know, as you were saying before, like I'm, I'm fairly young, I'm fairly new to all this sort of stuff. So um, just learning to kind of steel myself against the fact that somebody I don't know might say something publicly about me that's not very nice. <laughs> not that that even really happens, but that's something that's something that I have a fear of, which is probably a bit silly. Um, but a lot of things, I mean, a lot of things challenge me. It's very, it, like at the moment we're working on the media circus and our job is to sort of stay across uh as much news as we possibly can and kind of staying staying abreast of the ins and outs of the media cycle in in its various forms like commercial non-commercial mm-hmm. print radio talk back everything kind of trying to stay constantly up to date with everything i find extremely challenging because i have a shocking memory um yes. i do find it challenging um uh with story club both ben and i do a story every month and coming up with a new story every month after it's been now six and a half years um, is, is challenging and also kind of excellent. It's, it's sort of like a, um, an exercise we force ourselves to do once a month. And I, I can, can see how my writing kind of evolves through that process, but that's certainly a challenge. Lots of challenges. Oh, another challenge. I'll give you another challenge. Mm. Um, so this is, um, as of this year, my um, my husband has been working with us on the checkout and the media circus, and so we have our whole lives uh, together. Like we we go into work together, we sit next to each other at work, then we come home. That's our 
that's kind of our life. So we have this special rule, which is that we don't talk to each other on the bus. <laughs> so <laughs> we put in headphones <laughs> and do our own thing for like that 15 minutes. Yes. Yeah. So there you go. There's another one. This is like a. This is like therapy. Oh, I, let's not go there. Not gonna, no one's going to hear this, are they? No, not at all. Thank God. Thank God. You wouldn't share this with anyone. What prompted the headphones on the bus rule? Just as a bit of a like, you know, sometimes it's just important to have a tiny bit of, you know, alone mental time. I think mm-hmm. where you're, you know, just just focusing on yourself, not really like blocking everything else out, just for like a few minutes a day. Nothing bad happened. Like we didn't have a fight or anything, but we were just like, this is probably a nice idea. Which certainly stops you having a fight on the bus, doesn't it? Yeah, you don't want to have a fight on the bus. That's not pretty. Have you seen any fights on the bus? Um, have I seen any fights on the bus? I'm just trying to think. Not not in any recent memory. My dad once was on a bus where somebody held up the bus driver with a knife. Whoa. Yeah. Um. That's not really a fight, though, is it? That's just like a sort of violent crime. It's a very one-sided fight. It's a very, totally very one-sided fight. What do you do really well? Um, I don't know. Um, what do I do really well? Oh, I'll tell you what I can do really well. Mm. I can pick a, what a song is very, very, very quickly, like from sometimes from like one drum beat even though wow. I sort of have quite a patchy musical education, I've got a real knack for, for picking what a song is very, very, very quickly. How did you discover this, this I discovered talent? it. I sort of, um, I was in, I was in Memphis with my husband, Mark. We were in Memphis earlier in the year and we were at a bar and there was just one drum beat. And I was like, that's pretty woman. And uh, sure enough, it was. And then I tested it out a couple of other times and I was like, oh, this is a thing I can do. I don't always know the name of the song because I've got a bad memory, but I can kind of like, I can kind of, you know, pick what it is. This is a game show superpower. Yeah, I'm quite good at that Spicks and Specs game too where you like, you know, that game where you you uh, have a book and you try to mm-hmm. sing the tune of a song while reading from a silly book. I'm quite good at that. Have you attempted it yourself? What do you mean? Singing a song using alternate. Oh yeah, lyrics. yeah. I'm I'm good at I'm good at guessing and I'm good at executing that as well. Yeah, that's my that's my superpower. It's all party at Zoe's house. <laughs> Very middle aged party. <laughs> <laughs> what happened the last time your heart was broken? Um, I actually have never had my heart broken. You're really? Very lucky. By do you mean by like a by a lover, by a gentleman? It, it can mean that. It can also mean that you saw something that you had a lot of empathy for and you felt your heart break. Um, so what happened the last time that happened? Yes, ma'am. What time? That, that's what you're asking. Um, mm-hmm. I'm just trying to think. Well, my grandfather died earlier this year, the beginning of the year, and it was mm-hmm. – um, just before my book came out, actually, and he's quite a quite a character in the book, um, and that was quite that was heartbreaking. Mm. Um, it was we were quite it was you know it wasn't bad like he he was an old man and we actually all um, 
he, he'd sort of been, you know, he, he'd become a little bit senile towards the end and um, he had this sort of medical emergency and was rushed to this hospital and we all we all kind of got there and we kind of thought he was going to be okay. And just this, this kind of insane moment where because he was, because of whatever was wrong with him, he was being pumped with, with oxygen and it gave him this sort of amazing clarity that um, I hadn't, I hadn't seen him with for, for years. So he was talking to us and he was remembering, you know, like remembering what my husband studied in his PhD and kind of just having this quite detailed discussion the likes of which we hadn't had with him for years and it was kind of amazing and then we left and he was like okay you know see you guys we'll see you tomorrow and then he ended up dying a few hours after that but um that was quite an amazing experience to just have that sort of moment like all with all of his grandkids and everyone we were all like wow there you are there's 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 our papu again for a brief moment and how wonderful not only for you guys to share that with each other and with him, but for him to have that with you where he had that mm. clarity and memory of all you guys. It was, it was really bizarre. It was like seeing someone, you know, that you haven't seen for like 10 years or something. It, it was, it was a very bizarre and beautiful thing really. Is he the last of your grandparents to pass? Um, I still have, he, so my grandmother, his, his wife is still with us. Um, mm-hmm. So that's my mum's mother. Um, my dad's parents are both have both passed away quite a while ago. Do you find that having having had them in your life, uh, your grandparents, that mm. you've had an, any experiences that have helped shape who you are through that direct relationship with them? Absolutely. My especially my grandmother. Um, so my so my my dad's parents who have both passed away. They lived in um, Wales, in Cardiff. Mm. So, you know, I only met them once or twice. But my mum's parents lived just a couple of suburbs away and they basically, you know, raised me for a few years. Um, When mum and dad were both working, I would spend my days at my grandparents' house and they would just spoil me fucking stupid, like absolutely stupid. They used to have this game that they, that sort of like typical Greek grandparents, I suppose, like using money as their like little... Money is their currency, for want of a better way to put it. <laughs> yeah, when I was about three, three and a half, uh, they would take me to like a shopping centre near them, and they would my, they would always ask me now. Only one of us can come in with you. You have to choose whether it's Grandma or Papu. Only one of us will come in, and I'd always pick Papu. I'd always say, "Well, Grandma, why don't you why don't you sit down and just rest your legs? Papu will come in with me because I knew that Papu had more money." <laughs> and then they would just piss themselves laughing. They thought because they knew what I was doing. They thought it was the funniest thing. They thought it was the funniest thing in the world. They see a similar thing to my sister, who's quite a bit younger than me, where they take her into a shop, and they'd be like, "Okay, Georgia, you can't. We're not buying anything today." And she was like, "I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna try something on." And they're like, "Okay, but you can't buy it." And then she would put on like 400 dresses and just refuse to take anything off. And they'd sort of like pick her up and like scan her through the through the checkout and buy everything and they just thought it was they thought it was hilarious. So they they've always had a pretty sort of wicked and kind of disturbing sense of humor which I feel I've inherited a little bit. And they yeah, they definitely influenced me. Yeah. I can only imagine that this kind of game, this kind of reaction to money is in part why Greece is in the problem it's Oh, absolutely. 
Absolutely. Yeah, that and the fact that you can bribe the police to do anything from from what I understand. (laughs) Allegedly. Allegedly, yeah. I don't think the Greek police are listening. No, probably. Oh, don't don't be too hard on yourself. You never know how far reaching this might be. We're about to be on the Russian watch list. You are? Oh, yeah, because of me. Right, yeah. I dare not say his name. It's like Voldemort. Oh, God. Anyway. Um, it, thank you for sharing that about your, your grandfather. That, that's a really special memory, obviously. Mm, yeah, you're welcome. What are you passionate about? What am I passionate about? Um, I suppose I'm passionate about trying to make things really good. Like if I'm working on something, if it's my own project or someone else's, like I really do try my best to – make it as good as I, I possibly can. <laughs> I'm passionate mm. about, I'm passionate about working hard and about um, trying to, yeah, trying to, trying to do the best I can at whatever I'm trying to do. How does that then play out for professional Zoe? Uh, I, I'm not sure. I'm fine. I think, I think that um sometimes I feel like I'm going to, you know, go, gray overnight or give myself a hernia or have a heart attack or something. But, um, but I do also, you know, like everybody I work with is honestly like the most hardworking people I've ever met. Like everybody works just round the clock and is just constantly throwing everything they possibly can at it. And, you know, I do always feel like, especially when you're working on a TV show and they're just, you know, it's just so much relentless, work I do worry that at some point everybody's going to just you know collapse in a heap but we seem to usually get through it um yeah what was the biggest surprise for you uh as far as work and and pressures and those sorts of things when you started working in tv um biggest surprise um so I'm just genuinely trying to think of a surprise I think I was surprised at how kind of normal everybody was. Mm. Like, you know, they're just, they're just people doing a job that's that's hard and can be boring and, you know, um, annoying and like how, how, I guess how, how similar it is to, to just any job really like similar kinds of, you know, pressure and problems and, that sort of surprised me. I was surprised how like how low key everyone is as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I suppose that might be specific to where I work and who I work with, but you know, there's nothing nothing fancy going on where we are. That's for sure. The ABC budgets don't allow for it. Indeed, indeed. What one thing would you change about your life today? Oh God. Um, I would, um, like, is it just something I'd like <laughs> or like would I do differently? Yes. Oh, what would I do differently? I was going to say I, if I could change anything, I'd change the fact that I live with my parents right now um, and I'd, I'd live in a nice house that was mine, but um, that's just more of a wish. <laughs> um, what would I change? I kind of, uh, I never went, I never lived overseas. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I kind of regret that because I feel and like right now I feel like it would be a hard thing to do. Um, you know, like I've got a lot of roots here and I've got a career here and husband and everything. And, um, you know, I'm not going to probably piss off and for a year, but, um, I do sort of, I do sort of quite envious of those people who, you know, spend a year or two, um, you know, living it up, doing something completely different somewhere else in the world. Where would that place be for you? Um, I mean, a bit of a cliche, but probably, probably New York, if I could do it now, um, or, or London, maybe I've got a lot of family over there. Um, but yeah, a lot of, I know a lot of people who've done it in New York and they either just have the most amazing, breathtakingly fabulous time, or it's the worst and they, you know, break up with their partners and nobody gets any work and it's all a disaster. So, you know, be one or the other. <laughs> have you been to New York before? I have only, um, only for a holiday, just for like a, a week or so. Sure. Mm. What was most captivating about the city that never sleeps? I think uh, I've thought about this a lot. I, I find it hard to express this idea, so you just have to bear with me. But just mm-hmm. the fact that everything is there, like everything that you've been, you, you've been, you know, thinking about and and watching, and um, you know, these people that you've been aware of that have inspired you and everything, um, you know the galleries, like all this stuff is real and it's tangible and it's all just in this one tiny little place. Um, Mm -hmm. So the fact that it's real and it's just how some lucky bastards just live um, is is something that took me like a minute to get my head around, even though that sounds so stupid. sounds like a really stoned thing to say, but um, (laughs) that that's kind of what blew me away about, about New York and how, how like it just changes every block or so is just like a whole nother amazing universe. New York's a very overwhelming place though. Mm. Yeah. I think, I, I think I didn't get too overwhelmed because I was there with uh, my, my husband who'd been there a few times before and knew it quite well. And we were only there for just over like maybe a week or two. So we kind of had, you know, like a lot of obvious things we were going to do. Um, I can imagine it would get very overwhelming after a while. What are you going to achieve in the next 12 months? In the next 12 months? Um, I really want to write a kid's book. Awesome. Yeah, like a sort of naughty kid's book. Um, not too For naughty kids? Yeah, not too naughty. Um, I'm actually just trying to work out right now um, how naughty is okay because <laughs> I'm not really sure. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's one of my goals. Um, I'd love to do that in the next 12 months. That's, that's very cool. Mm. Is, is that, so that choice, be, was that inspired by nieces and nephews or friends, kids, or you've just always seen kids and go, you know what? I reckon they need some naughtiness. It was more um, about the kind of books that I remember reading as a kid, um, like especially um, Roald Dahl and just kind of feeling like it would be awesome if there was like an Australian kind of answer to that sort of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So 
yeah, I'd like to write a book that was that is something that I would have liked to have read as a kid. I actually don't know that many kids. I do. I, I mean, that's not really true. I do. I do know a lot of kids, but I don't spend any regular time with any kids. So I should probably start doing that before I be so bold as to write them a book. You're not hanging out with them or anything. Just going down the corner store and kicking a can. I do. I do sort of see. Um, <laughs> I do. Um, like because of the the shows we make, like the checkout and media circus and mm-hmm. stuff. I do spend a lot of time pretending to be people's mothers. Like um, yes. like one of the guys, one of the chaser guys. Um, I her his daughter calls me pretend mummy. <laughs> I actually had to pick her up from school the other day, and she ran up to me. She was like, "Pretend mummy," and I was like, "Oh my gosh, people are going to think I'm like stealing a child from this school." Um, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I think, I think I, that's on my to-do list is to find some children and hang out with them before I attempt to write this book. In an uncreepy kind of in fashion. A, in, a, in the least creepy way imaginable. But encouraging them to behave badly. Yeah. Or just seeing what, like, like, I just don't know what, yeah, whether, whether, like, what's too rude, what's too naughty. I just have no idea. It's like, you know, like, you, I can't really tell if a kid's like a kid's age that well, you know, like I think I just mm. need, I just need to immerse myself in like in getting to know, you know, kids a little bit better in a non creepy way. God, that sounds so awful. No, no, I, I, I understand what you're trying to say. I don't it just think sounds a, a bit pedo-y. No, well, <laughs> now that you bring it up, it does, but it didn't before that. You brought it up. You said in a non creepy way, <laughs> it's your fault. <laughs> this has taken a very awkward turn, Zoe. Uh, thank you so much for the things that you have shared with us. They are very special. Oh, my and- gosh. Are we going to leave it on Peter? You have to cut out the Peter stuff. I, I may do. <laughs> now that you've talked over this, I can't. Who knows? <gasps> if you're listening to this, it didn't make it in. <laughs> Please know that you are highly valued and, and the things that you've shared today are, are very special. Thank you. Oh, thanks for thanks for the chat. I had fun. Obviously, you're on Twitter, Zoe. What other social accounts do you want to admit to? What other social media accounts will I admit to? I have an Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's it. I'm on Instagram and Facebook. I think that's that's it. I, I every, even like three is too many to deal <laughs> with. I don't know what you're mm. supposed to do. I'm not very good at any of them, but um, yeah, I have a I have a, I have a, an Instagram which is basically the same as my Twitter, really. I don't think there are very many people that are very good at too many of the social media things. No. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, it's sort of, I think, I think being just that age where like I, I, I genuinely really remember the world so well without the internet, like so, so, so well. And I do still, I, I, I do still, it does make me feel a little bit old um, with, with how difficult, like we, with kind of trying to come to groups with, um, with, with how they work and, and the sort of edit, yes. the etiquette of them, I don't really understand sometimes. Do you think that this will form a large part of your naughty children's book? Will be them and shenanigans online? Uh, no, no. It's going to be much more old fashioned kind of old fashioned stories, I think. Be a bit more old school. No Instagramming. You play lunch. No Snapchatting. No. See, I'm. I. I, I just feel. I feel way too. 
too old to do that with any sort of sincerity that wouldn't be just made fun of. Like I almost feel weird talking about them. Mm. I have like deep, deep social media insecurities. <laughs> <laughs> this has been Humans of Twitter and I can confirm that at Zoe NL is indeed human. Yay.